chapter 2, both of those places uh, to start this morning. Luke chapter 2, a passage you should be familiar with, and we'll use it as a springboard for the next couple of weeks. Luke chapter 2 and 1 Samuel chapter 2. The passage in Luke 2 is the only recorded instance in the Bible from the childhood of Jesus Christ. Very interesting. His birth is recorded in Matthew and in Luke And then uh, all of the other Gospels begin with um, his public ministry, his uh, baptism, his uh, manifestation to the nation of Israel through the ministry of John the Baptist. But we have this one account in the book of Luke when Jesus Christ was 12 years old and his family traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover feast and he was left behind by his parents. That had to be a very, very stressful couple of days. Found him in the temple, and he was there speaking with the doctors of the law, asking questions, answering questions. And then he goes back to uh, Nazareth with his parents in verse 51. The Bible says, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. Verse 52, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. We, we have to remember the nature of the person of Jesus Christ. He is fully God and he is fully man. He is the word made flesh and dwelt among us. He is God manifest in a body of human flesh, that holy thing, that body prepared for him, conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Jesus Christ experienced life on the earth as a human being, and part of that was this physical process of growth and development and maturation, and Jesus God, the creator of the world, increased in wisdom and in stature. So from the time that he was 12 years old, there was this development taking place in his life. Both both physical stature and spiritual wisdom. And that is really difficult for us to comprehend and to fathom that God could learn something. But in the context of his humanity, the Bible does tell us that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And he became perfect. He became more complete than he was before. Having lived through life on the earth in a human body, he now knows what it is like. Prior to that, he did not know what it was like. God could sympathize, but now God can empathize. He's been where you are. He's experienced what you're going through. Our high priest is touched with the feeling of our infirmities, and that's a blessing. The humanity of Jesus Christ is a wonderful Bible doctrine with lots of great benefits that it brings to our Christian life. So Jesus increases in wisdom and stature. And then our phrase for this morning and next week, and in favor with God and man. In favor with God and man. This is the focus of of the youth of Jesus Christ. This is the focus of the teenage years of the Son of God. 
he was increasing in favor with God and increasing in favor with man. So there's physical development. There is spiritual development. There is emotional development. There is relational development taking place in the life of Jesus Christ. And it sets an example for every one of us because this is what God wants to see in our lives. And this should be a focus, especially at this stage of your life, moving from childhood to adulthood, beginning to learn and embrace the responsibilities of becoming an independent adult, there needs to be this growth and development and maturation taking place where you are growing in favor with God and man. Now, just to prove to you that this is not exclusive to the person of Christ, come to 1 Samuel chapter 2. This only underscores that this is an example that we ought to follow. 1 Samuel chapter number 2, because the same thing is said of another character in the Old Testament. You can probably guess who by the book that we are turning to. 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse number 26. You understand the background and the context and the birth of Samuel, a miraculous birth and answer to prayer. And his mother lends him to the Lord and takes him to the temple or to the tabernacle when he's young and he he is in the service of God ministering before Eli and the Bible says about Samuel in 1 Samuel 2:26 and the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men so as Jesus grew in favor with God and man so Samuel grew in favor with God and with Man, And the first point that we need to consider about this is the balance. Point number one is the balance. Because this, is, this almost seems contradictory to some other uh, precepts that we have in the Scripture. And this is a delicate balance. Because when we think about growing in favor with God, I think we can well understand that. We are getting closer to God and becoming more like Christ and trying to exhibit his attributes and allow his work in our hearts and in our lives. But growing in favor with man, the problem is that oftentimes doing what God wants puts puts us at opposition with people that we are surrounded by. And and this is borne out in the scriptures there in your outline. The Bible says in Galatians 1.10, If I pleased men, then I could not be the servant of God. That oftentimes you have to make a choice between the two. You cannot live the Christian life as a men pleaser. You have to learn to live for an audience of one. It doesn't matter what the people around you think. It doesn't matter what the people around you say. It doesn't really matter what everybody else is doing or what everybody else believes. What does God say? What does God want? What does God's word lay out as the course of my life? We've got to learn to prioritize God's favor. And oftentimes it puts us at odds with people who are at odds with God. Paul said, I can't please man. I've got I've to be singular in my focus to please the Lord. Proverbs 29, 25 says, the fear of man bringeth a snare. 
You can't live by the dictates of the people around you. If, if, if you care so much about what people think of you, that is going to trap you in the wrong kind of life, headed the wrong direction in life. The fear of man bringeth a snare. You've got to fear the Lord instead of fearing man. Instead of caring what people think, you've got to care more what God thinks, right? Luke 6 and verses 22 and 23, Jesus said, Blessed are ye when men hate you, and when they cast you out of their company, and when they, when they persecute you. He, he said, Rejoice ye in that day, for great is your reward in heaven. <laughs> we understand that. We're, we're familiar with these truths from the Bible. In Luke 6, 26, he said, Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. If, if everybody thinks you're great, you probably got some problems. If everybody speaks well of you, that means that you're just conforming to whatever situation you might find yourself in. You're like a chameleon that just blends into its surroundings, and that's not a good way to live and not the right way to live. Woe unto you when all men speak well of you. Now, come on, there's something inside of each of us that wants everybody to like us, that wants everybody to think well of us and speak well of us, but we've got to learn to subject that to something that's more important. And that's what is God saying? What is God thinking? And let the words of my mouth, meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. But come with me to Proverbs chapter 16. Let's, let's try to balance these out, these seemingly contradictory concepts. Jesus, Samuel, setting an example, growing in favor with God, and at the same time in favor with man, how is that possible in light of the verses that we have read? Well, Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 7 says this. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 7. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. There are obviously some limitations to this verse. Jesus Christ had... Enemies who put him to death. But he was peaceable. And he, in Luke 2, grew in favor with God and man. What are we saying about all this? You can tell a lot about a person by who their enemies are. Does that make sense? There weren't a lot of things I really liked about our former president, but that was one thing I really liked about our former president was the people who hated him. His enemies were my enemies as well. You understand what I'm saying? You, you can define a person by their enemies. But if you make good people your enemies, if everyone is your enemy, that says more about you than it does about them. There is a balance here. Okay, We don't have to be everyone's enemy. We don't have to be at enmity with everyone. It is possible to have God's favor and have good relationships. In fact, it is necessary in order to have God's favor to have good relationships. To, re to relate properly to the Lord, we have to learn to relate properly to those around us because that is what God expects of us. Do you understand what we're saying? 
We can't separate our relationship to God from our relationship with others. This balance is depicted in the Ten Commandments. The first four of those commandments, the first four commandments are vertical. They have to do with our relationship to God. No other gods before me. No graven images. Don't take God's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Those are our relationship to God. It's it's vertical, the first four. But the last six of the ten are horizontal. They have not to do with our relationship to God, but our relationship to those around us. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't lie. Don't cut. All of those are horizontal. And both are necessary. You can't be right with God and wrong with those around you. You can't be right with God and wrong with your parents. You can't be right with God and wrong with your siblings. You can't be right with God and wrong with authority. You can't be right with God and wrong with your peers. Jesus grew in favor with God and man. And I believe he wants us to take that same focus. So the rest of our time this morning, we're going to talk about uh, growing in favor with God. And then we come back next week, we'll talk about how to have favor with man. We need to develop the ability to relate well with those around us as we grow in our own personal relationship with the Lord. And and, and you've got to take hold on that. And the earlier, the better. Uh, It's got to be your own relationship with God, your own walk with God. Point number two is the examples. Point number one was the balance. Point number two, the examples. There are a number of people stated in the Bible to have had God's favor. Let's run those references really quickly. Numbers chapter 11, and out beside the reference, you can write out who the individual was. Numbers chapter 11 and verse number 15. Numbers 11 and verse number 15, the Bible says, And if thou deal thus with me, kill me, I pray thee out of hand. If I have found favor in thy sight, let me not see my wretchedness. We're going to take the time to read the entire context. Moses is praying uh, to the Lord, and Moses is one who certainly found favor with God. Job chapter 10 and verse number 12. Job 10 and verse number 12. Let's read that passage, another example of someone who did this? Job chapter 10 and verse 12, the Bible says, Thou hast granted me life and favor, and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. Job there speaking of the Lord, giving him favor. Moses and Job, and then Acts chapter 7 and verse 46. Acts 7. Verse 46, this is Stephen's historical sermon when he stood before the council there in Acts chapter 7, and he is speaking in verse number 45, which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus, and that's that's New Testament um, rendering of Joshua, came after brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drave out before the face of our fathers under the days of David, who found favor before God. And desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. Luke chapter 1, verse number 28. So Moses, Job, David, and 
this last individual, Luke chapter 1, and verse 28, the angel Gabriel is visiting a young lady in the town of Nazareth, and he greets her with these words, Luke 1, 28, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women, Verse 30, the angel said to her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Okay? So Jesus Christ sets the example. Samuel sets the example. Moses, Job, David, Mary set the example of people who found favor with the Lord. Point number three is the pursuit. Point number one, the balance. Point number two, the examples. Point number three, the pursuit. How to find favor with God. God, if this example set by Christ is the example that we are to follow, if, if God's favor is something that we should be after, how are we going to find it? As you turn to Proverbs chapter 12, let me back up and read you a dictionary definition for what we're talking about. What does it mean to have God's favor in your life? Favor is defined as kind regard, kindness. A propitious aspect, a friendly disposition. It's, it, it's, it's you like something or someone. You prefer something or someone. There is a special amount or measure of kindness directed toward that person. Favor is defined as support. I need God's support. I need thee. Every hour, most gracious Lord, how how am I going to how am I going to access how am I going to <coughs> acquire the help of God in my life? I need His favor. Favor is defense, it's vindication, disposition to aid, disposition to aid. This is someone you are more likely to help, to benefit, to bless, to assist. To favor is to befriend, support, promote, or justify. Uh, favor means to regard with kindness. This is the verb form. To favor someone is to regard them with kindness, to support, to aid, to wish success to, uh, to befriend and encourage, to afford advantages for success, to facilitate, to resemble in features. That's an interesting definition. The child favors his father growing in favor with God means that we are putting ourselves in a position where he can bless our lives. And it also means uh, that there's some of his likeness reflected in us. We begin to resemble him. So how can we do that? How can we have God's favor? I hope you want God's favor. I hope you recognize your need for God's favor this morning. Here's how you can have it. Proverbs chapter 12, verse number 2. The Bible says, a good man obtaineth favor of the Lord, but a man of wicked devices will he condemn. Very simply, point A, how can I have God's favor? How, how can I pursue God's favor? I just need some goodness in my life. A good man obtaineth favor of the Lord. We know what the Bible says, that there is none good, no, not one, but sometimes we get a little bit too technical with that, Right? Uh, because there are many people in the Bible that God says were good. Uh, one example is Cornelius in Acts chapter number 10. Before he was even saved, God said he was a 
good man. So no one is good in the sense of righteousness. No one is good in the sense of meriting um, salvation or meriting eternal life. But God does want you to be good, to do right, to, to be kind, to, to just have a, a good life. And a good man in this passage obtains the favor of the Lord. It's like the most basic instructions your parents give you. If your parents are like uh, myself, anytime our kids are going somewhere, doing something out of our sight, outside our supervision, the final word of exhortation is be good. And they know exactly what I mean, right? And so when God, God is looking at our lives and as we, as we grow and as we develop and as we prepare for the future, here's what God says, be good, act right, do the things you know you're supposed to do, have a, have a good life, have a good heart, and it will put you in a position where God can bless you and God is disposed to help you. He, he inclines his heart towards you. Favor with God is an incredible thing, an important thing. Come with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Very close by. Hopefully you can find it quickly. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. How can I have God's favor in my life? Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. There were physical blessings uh, tied to the law that God gave the Hebrew people in the Old Testament. But there is a sense in which this promise still applies. Ephesians 6, God brought that promise for honoring your parents over to the New Testament. It'll be well with you and you'll have a long and happy life. First Peter chapter 3, he that, he that will love life and see good days. Do you know what he needs to do? Keep God's commandments. Verse number three, let a mercy and truth forsake thee, bind them about thy neck, write them upon the table of thy heart, so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. How can I have God's favor in Proverbs 3? Just do what he said. Verse one, keep his commandments. Verse three, make sure that you are attached to mercy and to God's truth. If you will walk in the light of God's word, your life will be one that is benefited by the favor of God. And there's really nothing more important than having God's favor in my life. He said, here's what I can do. Focus on obedience. Point A, goodness. Point B, obedience will bring you God's favor. Obedience. Come to Proverbs chapter 8, verse number 35. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 35. The entirety of Proverbs chapter 8 is a personification of wisdom. Wisdom. In verse number 1, cries. Understanding puts forth her voice. Wisdom is denoted as a she in verse 2 and in verse number 3. And the passage continues... And the Bible says in verse 35, But for whoso findeth me, whoso findeth wisdom, findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord. He that sinneth against me, wrongeth his own soul, all they that hate me, love 
death. How can I have God's favor? Goodness, A. Obedience, B. Wisdom, C. Apply your heart to wisdom. Incline your heart to wisdom. Grow in wisdom. Ask God for wisdom. Take the truth that you know. Take the principles you have been taught and don't just leave them in your brain. Put them to use in your life. Apply God's truth to the situations that you face. Use God's word as a guide in making good choices and right decisions. If you will pursue wisdom, what you will find when you get it is the favor of God. Come to the book of Psalms, Psalm 5. Psalm 5 and verse number 12. What can I focus on in order to follow Christ's example and increase in favor with God, goodness and obedience and wisdom? In Psalm 5 and verse number 12 says this, For thou, Lord, wilt bless the righteous with favor. Wilt thou compass him as with a shield? <coughs> with favor wilt thou compass who? The righteous. So what can I focus on? Righteousness. Just doing right. Letting the Bible define what is right and what is wrong. Following those definitions in my life. Making the clear distinctions between what is good and what is bad. What is righteous. What is unrighteous. What is godly. What is wicked. If I will have a righteous life, God's favor will compass me. What does that mean? It means to surround. God's favor will surround you. And what will God's favor be for you? It will be a shield, a, a, a means of protection. It'll keep you from destroying your life. It'll keep you from hurting yourself. It'll guard you and protect you because there are so many ways out there and so many things out there that'll that'll just get you in trouble and head the wrong direction. What do we need? We need to stand against the wiles of the devil. He's our enemy. He's a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. How can I be protected from this world? How can I be protected from the flesh of the devil? If I have God's favor, it'll surround me. It'll shield me. It'll guard me. How can I have God's favor? I just need to do what's right. I need to let, let, let what God says is right be right and follow that in my life. Proverbs 18. This is a little different point, but it's true from the Bible nonetheless. Proverbs 18. In verse number 22, how can a person obtain the favor of God? Point A, goodness. Point B, obedience. Point C, wisdom. Point D, righteousness. Point E, from the Bible, is marriage. It's maybe not what you expected in this list, but it's what the Bible says. Proverbs 18, 22, the Bible says, Whoso findeth a wife, findeth a good thing, and obtaineth favor... <coughs> Of the Lord. Now, here's the way that I typically think of this that someone who finds a wife, it is evidence that they have God's favor. God has favored them, God has blessed them. And, and, and that's true. Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. If you find one, then you are very rich. You are very blessed. Right, Gage? I was setting you up, I was giving you an opportunity. A little slow. It's. <laughs> It's early. I, I could see it. I could see it in your eyes. It just wasn't 
vocalized quickly enough. I add my hearty amen, by the way, to those verses. Proverbs 18.22, this it doesn't say someone who finds a wife is an evidence of God's favor. It is a means of obtaining God's favor. Is that what it says? It is. Okay? Um, you, need to, you need to determine in your heart that, that God's ways are the right ways and God's way is the best way and that God designed this relationship and it's something that you can look forward to and you should look forward to and something that you need to be preparing yourself for right now by developing the characteristics in your life that are going to make that relationship successful, by developing the skills and abilities that you will need to fulfill your role in a home one day. So find the wife, find the good thing, and obtain the favor of the Lord. Guys, you're going to get to a certain age, and you need to start looking. You need to start finding and set yourself up to do that successfully. God places his stamp of approval on people who follow the pattern that he established. God instituted the family. God instituted marriage. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But so many people in the way that they conduct their lives, in the way that they conduct the relationships, in the way they refuse to focus on preparing themselves for the future, set themselves up not for success, but for failure. So you need, to, you, need, you need to give some attention to that, okay? Number one, the balance. Number two, the examples. Number three, the pursuit. Number four, finally, the result. Psalm 30 and verse number five. Psalm 30 and verse five. Do you have God's favor in your life? Do you want God's favor in your life? Are you after God's favor? In your life? I hope so. Let's follow the example that Jesus and Samuel set. Proverbs, I'm sorry, Psalm 30, verse number 5, back up to verse 4. Sing to the Lord, O ye saints of his, give thanks to the remembrance of his holiness, for his anger endureth but a moment, and his favor is life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Here, here's what God's favor will do for you. It will, it will give you life. It will give you meaning. It will give you purpose. It will give you significance. It will give you a reason to wake up in the morning, a life that is worth the living. It will fill your heart with joy. God's favor brings life and brings joy. Because this life does include weeping. This life does include mourning. This life does include trouble. And no one is exempt. But with God's favor, you can have those things and have joy. That's what's missing from so many people's lives. It's what they wish they could have, and they could have it. They're just not going about it the right way. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning, what you get when you get God's favor is you get life, not existence, and you get joy in spite of the troubles and trials of life. Next time, we'll talk about favor with man and uh, our examples and the ways that we can go about that. Father, thank you for your word this morning and for those who have uh, heard it and listened and paid attention. And God, I pray that you work these truths in our hearts, that you put in us a, a greater desire for your blessing in our lives, God, I pray for these young people 
Help them as they prepare themselves for the future that you have before them. Help them to, to know and to trust and be confident that your way is best and your will is, is good and acceptable and perfect. And we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.